This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here is my oh-so-skilled co-host, Jon. Hello, Jon. Hi, Dave. Um, oh-so-skilled, yes, but in this world of technology, ever moving, ever faster, how can I ever keep up to date? And how can we make you sticky? Uh, okay, that's rather easy, to be honest, but let's not go into detail. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So we were we were inspired, uh, at least moderately inspired, uh, by uh, an article or a, a question. I guess we found on a website that was saying, uh, "How can you sure? How can you ensure that employees stick around after reskilling programs finish?" And uh, there's a whole bunch of answers that various people in various roles, lots of them, as Jon pointed out, as we were talking earlier, lots of them being uh, education oriented, although there's some people from um, kind of the industry, as mm -hmm. it were. Yeah. And I think this is something that, especially as you say, in such a fast moving, fast paced ecosystem we currently see, like there's, there's always change, there's always stuff evolving, stuff moving forward. And I with things like the uh, the Great Resignation or whatever it's called uh, uh, happening, there are lots of people moving around at the moment. So I think it's a good a good question to ask. How can how can you make people stickier? Again, it's rather easy if you know how to do it, but uh, let's not go there. Well, I do want before we dive into the subject proper. Just it's a new problem, right? I mean, not new from this week, but new in this era of fast-moving technology and stuff because in the olden days you kind of join a company and I guess I still started myself in the olden days because my first job I was actually there for 13 years so basically my. that's starting as a junior and then slowly getting better at stuff but still sticking around but then I started moving around and if I look at my LinkedIn profile I haven't stuck around for more than four years in any position until now which is become actually somebody told me that if you stick around for, for four years you're actually doing it wrong something must be wrong with your profile something must be wrong with what you're doing because nobody sticks around that long anymore and with that mm -hmm. in your mind of course yeah why would a company reskill in the first place yeah i mean i'm i think i'm same sort of position as you like my first my first role i was there for 11 years uh, or my first company i should say i was there for 11 years and i Similarly, kind of rose up through the ranks, did a bunch of stuff, and then eventually decided to move on. I think my average is a little bit more. I think my average is closer to five years, but you know, it sort of Still. definitely has. It's in that sort of four to five year bracket order of magnitude, and you definitely, when I'm looking at hiring people, I definitely look at the amount of time that they've spent because I. I want to hire someone that is going to stick with an organization for a period of time. And definitely for me, like if I see someone has skipped around jobs, six months here, a year yeah. there, 18 months there, you know, 12 months there, that's, that's a clear red flag, but it's not, sometimes it's not always on the employee. Sometimes they, they land somewhere that is is not what they thought it was now you could argue that that's a that's a failure in doing your own kind of discovery mm. and um 
and sort of uh, your own due diligence before you go and join a new organization. But sometimes that can be that can be pretty difficult. But the the topic that this is this question originally raised was around how can you ensure employees stick around after reskilling programs finish? And I, I what I would like to ask you first is do you think that do you think there's a difference between um, getting people to stick around after some form of reskilling has happened versus just getting people to stick around at all? Um, yeah, I do think there is a difference because making people stick around at all, yeah, that's obviously also something. Retention is a very hot topic, again, with mm. the war on talent and the great designation. Um, I mean, I mentor people quite often at my company locally and uh, yeah, when you put in effort, you want to keep people to stay. But yeah. having a reskilling program typically means that, um, it kind of depends, right? Reskilling actually says learning a totally new different skill. And in that case, you're already putting a person on a different trajectory, maybe going from technical to management or maybe coming from software development to hardware development. So they are going to start doing different things. Now, ideally, if your company is reskilling you to something, it should be reskilling you to something that you can actually do at that company. Otherwise, that company mm -hmm. is doing something dumb, I would say. But if you do that, that means that you're in a company that does hybrid things, that does more than one major thing like for example, doing software and hardware. That also means that they will never be at the top of the food chain of that one particular thing you're reskilling into because it's a company that's focused on that one thing normally should be expected to be more innovative, more top of the line, whatever. So when you do that reskilling, you kind of open the door a little bit for that employee to more easily grow in the industry by moving to another employer. So, yeah, I do think, as I said, if you do as a company reskilling programs, make sure that you actually have a place for those new skilled people to land mm. and make sure that they have a reason to stay there. And just thinking that we're going to solve our attrition by imp implementing a couple of retraining uh, or uh, projects or things like that might, I, I would expect, might have a very adverse effect, actually. So... I mean, I I view reskilling programs as like there's a few other things that that fit into mm -hmm. that again at least in my mind. So I think things like uh, returnships, where someone's been out of the workforce for a while, um, mm -hmm. often like people on maternity leave or extended paternity leave, um, coming back into the workforce after an extended time out of work. Yeah, but. Typically, That's... those reskillings are done outside the company. You first go to the, the unemployment infrastructure will have reskilling trainings, and then you join a company. So I don't see that. There's no, no. retention thing there. No, you, you. I mean, certainly, we have them at uh, at our organisation now, um, where like we have a returnship program, okay. um, and I'm starting to see that happen more and more. People are using it as part of a a recruiting tool to attract people that yeah, maybe that. Yeah. would would struggle to get back into industry otherwise and you know join join for a six month period and and go through some mentoring some training some mm -hmm. upskilling um 
So when you talk about that, what would be the uh, incentive for an organization to do something like that? What's the benefit the organization gets from it? Because I see that benefit for the employee, of course. It's yeah. I'm able to start working again, reskilling in something yeah. that's more... Uh, I used to do mainframes. I don't hate mainframes, but still... I, do, I used to do COBOL, uh, the fanboys of COBOL as well. Okay, whatever. I, I don't say anything. What do you say the incentive for the organization would be? So the incentive for the organization is to get new talent through the doors. Like, as you said, like there's a... There is a shortage of um, of good individuals across lots of industries at the moment, and this is a chance to bring someone into the organisation on a. I would say usually these return ships are you know on a six month trial basis, mm -hmm. and it can either be at the end of that six months a a sort of happy parting of ways, and the company feels it's done a good thing. And the employee, you know, or the the sort of the returnship candidate has has hopefully learned some stuff and then is off out into the world. Or if they've done you know a really good job and you know they're usually targeted around areas where an organisation is growing, so it's not totally altruistic. Um, and there is definitely some self-serving to it, but it gives that person a chance to then uh, transition into a full-time role. You know that it it would be you would either be looking to you know hire externally and and source you know external people well that's always fraught with fraught with all sorts of uh, challenges and if you've got someone that you know you've been working with in some way shape or form for the last 6 months you know certainly know a lot more about them than you know about someone that you're just going to run through an interview cycle with so you know those are some of the benefits that uh, the organization gets yeah, but so it's more of a kind of a de-risking of a potentially very high cost hire by going lower. But you also said there that typically it's for a six-month period. So the organization should already, let me rephrase that, is it important for the organization to have that mindset of, okay, this is not a definite hire, it's a yeah. trial and we'll potentially invest uh, energy and money in here without much of return, except some goodwill, good publicity. I mean, these kind of programs should have some goodwill yeah. attached to them as well. So you should already, as a company, have that. You said it's not altruistic. Well, it's not entirely. There should be some altruism in there as well, yeah. just having that social responsibility of making the world a better place by educating people and giving them a new chance, yeah. potentially not where you are. Now, how would you contrast that with the, in my part of the world anyway, normal practice where any new job you have a, a one-year trial period which can then become a indefinite contract which kind of does the same thing because you said uh, it's better to get to know somebody for a couple of months to see what kind of person mm -hmm. it is if he's going to fit in the culture things like that for the employee itself also important although personally as an employee i don't really care about a single year contract or not i can leave at any time right but so that's already in there a bit so Mm, I think that very much depends. Uh, that varies greatly from country to country. If you if you talk about like contract law like that in you know France or Germany or Sweden, you'll get a very different um, picture to if you were talking about uh, what that ex what that sort of experience would be like in, for example, the US or even to a certain extent in the UK. Yeah. Um, you know, those things are notice periods and um, trial periods, probation periods, call them what you will, are all treated very differently depending on country. You know, countries have different laws around those kinds of it's things. It's all about the dismissal laws as well, right? I mean, if it's easy to dismiss, yeah. you don't need to have any kind of stuff in place for that. 
like in the US, they have a one week notice and that's about it. So why bother with yeah. special contracts? In France, typically a lot harder to get uh, people fired. So you probably have some more yeah. legislation around that. Yeah, yeah, true. So, I mean, the, the thing that kind of surprises me a little bit about this question is kind of going back to my, my question to you, which was around, like, what do you think is different about reskilling programs versus just ordinary employee retention? Because I, I actually don't think it's, it's that different. I, the way that I see this is that you, you need to have a longer term plan for anyone. Like you need to have a, a career, a career path. Yeah, like a career path, a career trajectory. You need to show people that there is a chance for a chance of growth for them in a variety of different directions and a, a growth that interests that particular individual. That could be a, you know, a journey towards management at some point. That could be, you know, continuing focus on technical excellence. That could even be a, I want to, you know, progress my career in this direction for a period of time, but mm -hmm. I'd like to actually explore another role entirely, you know, product management or, um, or development and engineering or something else entirely over, over the course of, of, you know, whatever their timeline is. And some people have a very loose idea of how they see their career progression and some people have very strong ideas about where they're going to go but i think like whether you're talking about getting people to stick around after reskilling programs or just longer term retention you know investing in people showing them that they're they ha they can have a future like i've i've been chatting with people that have been at their current company for 10, 12, 13, 14 years. And one of the things that's consistent about these individuals, like they're all excellent individuals for a start, but the one thing it, that's been consistent about them is that they don't, even though they've been at the same company for 10, 12, 13, 14 years, none of them really feel like they've been at the same company for 10, 12, 13, 14 years. Their roles have changed over time. They've changed teams, they've changed areas of focus, their job, their career, and their trajectory has has evolved in a variety of different ways over time. So every few years, it's basically felt like a new job. And that's that, I think, is one of the things that, that kind of a lot of people don't really understand. Yeah, but just devil's advocate here, if I'm in department XYZ in the company and I do a new hire and I train him to work in my department and then he goes to another department or another region or something like that. It's also attrition, right? It's still within the company. So the company as a whole will still gain the benefits from whatever training I did. But me as my local manager, I'm not the manager by the way, but if I was a local yeah. manager, I still lost that person. I still need to re uh, re uh, replace that person with a new hire. Yeah. So. The yeah, stickiness yeah. is also a local thing. And when you talk about people being mm. at a company for 10 years, but they spent five years in Germany and uh, seven years in France and three years in the Netherlands, that's also, yeah, on the one hand, it enriches the company because the people can actually 
yeah, transmitted things they learned here to other cultural situations. Some things are applicable, some things aren't. The people themselves get more rounded. So it's not a net negative, but still from a point of retention, it's also on the micro scale they have to look at it, right? It, it, you're right, but, but the thing that I've, the thing, well, the thing that I've learned over my time is that that matters less. Mm -hmm. What matters more is the overall focus on what's best for the company yeah. as a whole. And if you believe uh, that... Not everybody thinks that way, by the way, which is a sad A hundred percent true, which is one of the things that I think can cause people to not stick around. Because yeah. if if you don't have that career progression within your organization, then you're going to go, well, I'll start looking outside. Yeah. And so like the, the thing that I think is funny is when you see people trying to retain people within their team and trying to keep hold of them and like grasping ever tighter, like that doesn't work. Um, the 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 uh, the old saying: "If you love something, let it free." Blah blah blah. Not quite sure. I uh, quite subscribe to that, but it's <laughs> the the same kind of context. Like if someone wants to go and explore something, you should be encouraging it as yeah. long as it's good for them and good for the company. Um, now the challenge is sometimes you get people that want to go and explore something. And for whatever reason, you don't believe it would be a good fit for them. And at that point, you've got kind of a couple of options. One is that you can work with them to help them understand what the gap is between you know, where they are now and where they would need to be in order for that to be a good fit for them. And you can, as a, as a manager or as a, as a, as a leader in an organization, you can decide if you want to invest the time and effort in kind of helping them with that transition as long, again, as long as it's in the best interests of the, of the company. But something else to, to always think about in this, um, in this point is that it's a very small world. Like it, we talk about this, um, kind of relatively often that, People bump into each other time and time again throughout their careers. You know, it, relationships that I've made 15 years ago, I'm still bumping into those people, in some cases recruiting those people. Um, and, you know, and these aren't people that I've maintained incredibly strong ties with over that whole period of time. They're just people that you know, I was in the same orbit as them for a period of time. We got to know each other. We then went off in different directions and our path just met further on down the line. So the the other angle to this is also not not just thinking about what's good for the company, but thinking about what's, what's good for you and your career longer term. Doing the right thing by other people is very rarely the wrong answer. Yeah, it's a whole networking approach, right? Mm. Now, when you're discussing the whole thing about uh, looking if this choice, this person wants to make is a good choice or not, that's pretty much the definition of management, right? That's basically what the manager is mm. supposed to do, make his his resources, which are human beings, more effective by making them grow and stuff like that. Now, this sometimes people say, but this is an HR job. This is not what the manager, the direct manager should do for the employee. If this comes up, they should be gone to HR and HR should do things like career paths and things like that. I could not disagree more. I think that, I think people operations, HR, um, you know, call it what you like, are there to support 
the the kind of the wider and the more generic areas so things like making sure that annual review cycles are happening and that you know are, are completed and that that uh, feedback's been collected and that reports go out and that people have been spoken to and that you know numbers are crunched and performance sort of bonuses and all those sort of things have been correctly allocated and provide oversight but it is it's the in my view at least it's the function the functions leadership should decide on the career path and what the various values are that establish that career path and how to test for those things and how to how to see people progress through that um, well, i had a reason for that question mm -hmm. <laughs> Because, um, I mean, you see reskilling thing as being part of a career plan. So the career plan mm. is kind of the overarching thing you need to have in place. And inside that career plan, reskilling and things like that might have a place. Now, career plans can be good or bad. It can be very constructive. It gives a person a way forward, watching what the future could be. And I'm all for that. It can also be seen as pressure. If you're doing the same job for a whole year and you haven't talked to your manager yet about the next step of your career, you're doing it wrong. You don't have drive. You're not driven. You don't creative. And it, well, not <laughs> at all. You can say that, but it's a very tricky thing to do right. Having a career plan. Now, a lot of direct managers aren't psychologists. They don't have group psychology. They should have some innate feeling for it. I hope mm -hmm. for a good manager, but typically yep. those are the functionalities that the, the, the capabilities you would expect more in HR, which is supposed to be this kind of how do I do the group thing and things like that. And basically that's why I asked the question, which one should do it? And I'm agreeing with you. They shouldn't flop yeah. it off to HR because you need to know the person and the direct contact that it should be, especially in bigger companies, if it's a small company of 10 people, anybody could do it basically bigger companies structured companies should have it in direct management but i have had uh, experiences with companies that took career plans very seriously but were so heavy-handed and it was handled by people that in my opinion should not have been handling it not because yeah. of their function but because of their personality they were very good managers yes. in day-to-day -day stuff but looking at the psychology of a person, they, they were totally wrong on reading me. They were trying to push me in a way that I did not want to go. Yeah. Management. Yeah. And I left. <laughs> and that's why I agree career plan is the golden thing to, to remember here. But it's a very tricky thing to do. And if you do it wrongly, you will actually push people away. And that's, yeah. But so to me, though, that is the difference between an okay manager and a great manager. Like an okay to average manager probably doesn't get all of the nuances that you've talked about. <laughs> a great manager and above should get varying degrees of that. And, you know, someone that's, that's truly world-class and has spent a lot of time honing that skill, that empathy, and that understanding of how people, different types of people operate should pick up on all of that and should be able to encourage people in the right direction. Now, one, one thing that you mentioned there, I think is really important is that not everybody needs to move up, move forward, move ahead. Like some people reach a point in their career and this isn't always like consistent. This isn't always a, uh, a thing where they, that's it, they're done, but 
some people just reach a point in their career where the job that they're doing, at least for the time being, is something that they're really enjoying. They don't necessarily want to step up to more responsibility or head into management or even continue climbing up the, the career path. They're just doing what they're doing. Like it's a good balance for them on, you know, the time and effort that they're putting into it, what they're getting out of it and how it fits into the rest of their life. And one of the, the, like the mistakes I see people say make all the time is that thinking that that's a bad thing. And it's very difficult to get across to both some individual contributors, but also some managers that actually that's, that's okay. It's okay for someone to be happy at their job, not looking for any major changes or, or major evolution. The, the trickiest part of managing employees like that is making sure that you don't just take that for granted and that you keep an eye on, you know, are you still happy at that? Are you still, is this you know, anything that you, you are still looking for? Is there anything that can enhance, even if it's not progression in the normal sense, you know, are there other things that they're interested in, um, that you can still continue to keep them engaged? Cause it's, for me, it's about engagement. You know, as long as someone feels that the culture that they're dealing with is something that they enjoy and enjoy interacting with. If someone feels that, you know, the team that they're working with is, you know, smart and fun and they can learn things. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that even if someone's not looking to progress in their career, those are the sorts of things that will keep them, keep them there, keep them motivated and keep them engaged. Yeah. But in my experience, uh, over my long tenureship at different companies, a lot of times the keeping an eye on the employees is done by HR and HR uh, signals managers, hey, this person is apparently detached, no longer engaged, no longer active. And the only kind of metric that they have is career progression because that yeah. HR, pers HR person doesn't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I mean, people should be able to stay at a certain level and broaden their responsibility set, basically, because typically when you start a new function, you will do a function and you'll be a pre-sales engineer, basically. Mm. But then if you get tenureship and you get seniority and you, you kind of start to know how that little pre-sales function functions in the rest of the company, you kind of see things that could be improved, that don't really work mm. the way it should be, or new functions get created that don't really have an added value. So you can get you get a bigger voice. If everything goes well, your voice should be heard more loudly than junior people. That's meritocracy at its best. I like that. And that also allows you to kind of reach, broaden out into sub-projects, uh, communication with product groups, uh, getting being the voice of the customer, things like that. And that's another yeah. kind of keeping the job interesting and changing all the time. Yeah. But it's not something that's going to be picked up by uh, HR or that kind of people that no. are watching. And, and yeah, you still, I, again, I, I don't, I'm not into the management track at all, but I, I do from mm. time to time get this push from uh, an employer for, uh, is this normal? You're kind of an age group. You should be a manager now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's another way of saying I'm old, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough thing. Yeah. No, it, it is. Like it, I think, as I said, I think that's the difference between uh, like an, an average and below manager and really, really good management. And that's that really good managers understand their people, understand their team, also understand that you need you need a diversity of 
of kind of people within a within mm-hmm. a team and we're not just talking gender race religion right we're just talking personalities as well you need some people that are driven and, and looking to head into that deep technical like talking about our world for example looking to drive into like that deep level of technical expertise you need other people that are you know really enjoy being generalists and being happy dabbling with lots of different areas you need people that you know maybe want to head towards management at some point in time and you need people that are, are all different levels of you know along those different kind of paths and i'm not even saying that that's just the limit of the paths with of diversity uh, in terms of those areas but you need as you grow teams as you grow organizations that diversity of of skills and interests and like needs to continue uh evolving and if you if you don't then you're you're doing your your organization a disservice like having an organization that's fully staffed for example with people that have desires to go into management is is a is a terrible idea because like you're going to disappoint a whole bunch of people each time round, and eventually people will start leaving yeah that cartoon with the roman galley with uh, one rower and all of the people <laughs> with the whips right <laughs> exactly exactly yeah but again we just we, we pr- pr- pronounce that the career plan is the way forward, the way the way to go. That means typically that a company will put together career plans for the typical employee, which is totally uh, perpendicular to the word, I think, on what you're just saying of diversity should be there because any kind of career plan will set lines in the sand that people should follow. Mm, I think that depends very much on the career plan and what it looks like. I I always see like career plans exist as a framework and you don't need or you shouldn't need to check every single box. I've achieved this 100%, therefore I progress to next level. Right? That, that shouldn't be how these things work. You should have enough flexibility in them so you could progress through a through a, a career plan as more of a generalist, for example, um, which means that you wouldn't be able to hit certain levels of, of technical depth in certain areas, as an example. But your benefit to the organization would be that of a broader skill set, a broader level of engagement across more opportunities. It's mm-hmm. the, the career path done wrong, I think, yes, can absolutely be a constraining and restrictive um, exercise. Career paths done right, you know, should give people the flexibility to progress while still giving them, um, you know, yeah, I guess the ability to progress while progressing in their own way, rather than just expecting you to hammer people out that are all look like cookie cutter shapes of the same person. Oh, you are running a bit long, but that's uh, one more thing I want to point uh, mm. bring up. Uh, companies change. Companies have the yeah. cyclical movements of going centralized, decentralized, centralized, decentralized. And they have a tendency also to have cycles about let's be generalists, let's have specialists, let's be generalists, let's have specialists. Basically trying to uh, address a perhaps perceived lack of something by focusing entirely on that lack of something, which means a couple of years later, they're lacking the other thing they just moved away from. (laughs) Career paths will typically also 
follow the trends because basically if you go from a generalist to a focus on specialists that means all the career plans will get redrawn and me poor employee i was in a career plan i was kind of happy with i'm now pushed into something that well no so career plans are by definition something long term something is set up that should mm -hmm. at least i mean if you expect your people to be around for a decade you should have a career plan that kind of stays not the same but at least similar for about a decade looking at how companies try to reinvent themselves uh, every five minutes these days that's a very hard thing to do would you say i love well, being the interviewer here <laughs> i mean do so do you so answering a question with a question do you think it's actually likely anymore that we will see people regularly stay at organizations for 10 years um it will not be unlikely it will be not not everybody will do it uh, the mobility has been fed into the workplace and you're not going to get mm -hmm. that out just like working from home isn't going to go away and companies already accepting this by making more flexibility by not hiring juniors with the idea of having them for 10 years and become fully functional ceo executive level things that's already there that's not going to go away uh, but there are still people that stick at some companies for a decade or more i mean if you look at my linkedin profiles there are people definitely yeah. doing that now if the new people joining the workforce today will be inclined to do that yeah that's my question um i guess if you're if you have if you're the entrepreneur that starts a startup from scratch and become the ceo of that startup becomes a million dollar company billion dollar company yes how many CEOs are there in the world compared to individual contributors, as the popular phrase is? Well, very little, of course. Yeah. I I do miss it, by the way. I would love to find a company to... I mean, it's, it's, it's the one reason that I would kind of think of going into the military, for instance. I mean, I won't because mm -hmm. I'm a pacifist and military is always about weapons. Still different things, but going into something like the military, that is going to a, a kind of a home that's going to be your home for normally the rest of your life. I mean, those are still the locations where you have careers that are life-spanning. Yeah. I mean, uh, barring defense budget cuts, of course. <laughs> um, but Yeah, but still, the, the, the idea behind it is that you, you, yeah. you, you become a military person and that's your life at that point. Point. I mean, if you don't yeah. do that, you typically won't join uh, uh, an army, uh, a military organization like that. Yeah, I would assume. I, mean, you know. I, I don't think. I think the the golden age, if you if you want to call it that, of people with like a ten year, ten year tenures, tongue twister there, um, at companies. I think for the majority of people, I think that time is gone. I, I, I don't think we will see a great deal of that wow. anymore in the new in the new workplace. And I, I, I do think that's a bit of a shame. I do think it's a bit of a shame. But I've got a bombshell to end this episode on. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this for almost for more than seven years. We're well oh track God. for our ten years. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> That if, unless you have anything else to add. <laughs> nope, I'm and, done. And that is all the time you have for today. 
Thank you for listening to the, pod, uh, to the podcast. You can become a patron. You can help us even more by becoming a patron. Those contributions do help us. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can like and subscribe, hit notification bells, uh, do YouTube stuff. You can go to www.roaringalpha.org. There's links to the patron page, the YouTube page, and all other things we do. You can follow me on Twitter using at roaringelephant tag. And you can still send plain old email to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Dodging That Pot of Honey from Dave. Jon? <laughs> my name is Ten Year Dave. <laughs> I look forward to talking to you next week and the next 10 years, I guess. God, does that mean we'll get to 17 years of this? Surely not. <sighs> Who knows? Goodbye. See you later.